We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, welcome to another episode of Candy Coaches Conversations. Uh, I'm Jeff Goodman. Uh, here with my partner in crime, Charlton Young. And uh, this week's topic, none other than AU Summer Basketball. We got a great uh, group together, combination of, of some coaches, summer coaches, uh, assistant coaches, a couple media people who certainly know the recruiting uh, industry, including one, Justin Young, who's done it uh, maybe longer than me, even though he doesn't look quite as old as me. All right, I, I want to start with something that I've always fought. And, and argue with people over, which is, and we'll start with the three guys on here who run programs and have for a while now, the perception of AU coaches, the perception of you guys of, you know, you're shady, you're always looking to make a buck, all that stuff. Like, you know how many times I argue with people? Because I came up, I mean, again, I haven't covered, you know, grassroots like I used to, but I came up knowing all you dudes. Like, I know what you guys do for these kids. I know how much money you take out of your own pockets for these kids and their families. So uh, start with any one of the three of you, the perception and how much that hurts you or if you're just kind of immune to it now. Uh, Atope, I guess we'll start with you. Um, That's a great question because for me, just so you are, I started as a high school coach, coach at Compton High. So that, I didn't have any intentions of doing AU. When I first started, I was already doing events. I, I worked superstar camp back in 1990. Um, that's where I, my, the foundation of where I started in the camp business. So I do events as well. Um, but I did my first event in 1990 and I was a high school coach. So I had no intentions of being an AU coach. What happened was in 93, when you guys remember NWA and Compton was crazy, our kids were dying. So our kids were getting shot walking home from school. So we decided to keep our kids together year round. That was the reason why we did an AAU program, which was really our high school team. It wasn't an AAU program. So like me and my partner, Rob Palmer, who's at UCLA now, um, we, he was a teacher and I had a full-time job. I wasn't, I, I was dealing with the kids on my own time. Like I wasn't, um, trying to figure out who the next NBA player was. I was just dealing with a bunch of kids from Compton. So we became, um, we got sponsored by Adidas in 2001. We were still a homegrown program of kids from Compton, only kids from Compton, um, social cases, social work. Um, I had a full-time job. I've, been, I've only been self-employed for eight, nine years. Before that, I worked corporate America for 25 years. 
So the difference in me and the guy you're talking about is somebody who didn't have a job. I mean, I don't know like what everyone else thinks, but you know, me and my wife have always had six figure corporate jobs. It's been a side, it's been something that I love to do. Now I've been fortunate enough that we were successful enough that I could quit my job. And my wife was successful enough that allowed me to quit my job and chase this full time, which I think turned it for us and took us to the next level in 2007, 2006. But before then, it was just homegrown program. We were just doing what we did for the kids in Compton. So it's funny to me that perception because uh, I want to say one thing before I finish this, this, what I'm saying is I went, I was in Indianapolis seeing TJ Leaf and I decided to jump over and uh, run over to the NCAA real quick and just, you know, I just wanted to see it and see what was going on. So I went in there and um, I know a lot of people in there, Jeremy McCool, a bunch of people. So I go in there and they said, Hey, can you meet with the, the new vice president? So I go in there and you know, they were, they, they said, can we have a meeting? And I said, sure. And so they started asking me about, Hey, you know, we watched your little documentary and like people were in the office were really nervous about when you said you were going to drop a bag on somebody. I go a bag of clothes. Like, what do you mean? I go, it's funny that you guys can, you know, I can go to, I can send TJ, EK, Kobe, Lonzo Ball to UCLA, right? UCLA can make millions. The NCAA can make millions. We don't get anything. And you call me the crook. I'm going to leave with that. <laughs> you know what I mean? All the schools can make millions of dollars. The coaches can get paid. And then when I do an NCAA form for a tournament, they want to know what my mortgage is. They want to know my personal information. They want to know everything about my financial dynamic. And I'm the crook when everyone else is making money but me. So I'll leave it at that. Mike? Well done, Uh the, the, the perception and, and the reality, I, I think, can be in any passion, any occupation, or any profession. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I believe that the, the, the directors here, although I don't know them personally, have competed against their clubs sometimes a long time ago, you know, uh, and, and uh, uh, you know, Keith uh, has done an amazing job in, uh, in Washington and, and as have you done on the West Coast. And, uh, you know, I, I got my first college coaching job 41 years ago. So, you know, uh, and that was to help the man who pulled me out of the West Side of Chicago and got me to a high school that I couldn't afford and didn't belong at and then made sure I got to college that I couldn't afford and didn't belong at. And, uh, uh, changed my life. And so I volunteered to, to work for him, uh, as he became the athletic director and, and a college coach, uh, division three school in the Illinois area. And, uh, I loved everything about it, but I was broke and I came from broke and I was going to stay broke unless I went to work. So very similar to ETOP. I mean, I had an opportunity because he also got me summer internships, which turned into a career where I started out at the very bottom and, and worked up to uh, 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 work for Wall Street firms and then start my own brokerage firm and, and had a 30-plus year run in that. And to be blessed with that uh, along the way, uh, you know, I got married and had, some, had, had children and, and uh, where I uh, raised my family didn't have any travel teams. And, uh, 
I have three sons, and two of them were very interested in basketball as young guys. So I just started helping out and coaching, and 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 that was thirty years ago. And so uh, uh, I never planned on being on this call today. I never planned on having a club. I never planned on having uh, uh, an AAU team or whatever. It started inside out, generically with uh, my kids and their friends and community-based and, and a way of giving back for people who had set that example in my life and my brother's life. We're first-generation immigrants from Ireland, so we're all dual citizens. So, uh, uh, you know, everybody has their own journey and own path, but uh, the more we were blessed with, the more I thought we needed to give back. And, you know, very early on, we wound up uh, being able to attract some good players and, and you know, the, the, that attracted sponsorship and that's kind of, you know, been our thing is that we do it a little bit differently. Uh, everybody has their own style, their own individual personality, their own culture, their organization. There's good and bad and everything. And I chose to focus on the good. Some of the best people I've met in my life, uh, have been through travel basketball and basketball in general. Uh, we've, seen the United States and a large part of the world through all the relationships we've met. And that's led us to being here today uh, with regards as to some of the topics that Etop touched on and the perception. Uh, you know, my first endorsement uh, contract with the Wolves was the first year we had a high school team was with Sonny Vaccaro. And, uh, you know, we'd be going to Reebok big time and, and uh, 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 you know, that as Tom knows, Sonny had his own view of of, uh, of that, and, and he's a guy I think should be in the Basketball Hall of Fame because he challenged existing principles and, and for the right reasons. And uh, I think he did more to propel the growth of AAU and the growth of basketball through the marketing and, and his ability to attract teams and players and to care about them individually uh, than anybody I've seen before or since. And so I'm grateful for that relationship. So when Sonny would call me starting 20 years ago, would I be deposed at Congress? Would I be deposed with Michael Hossfield for the Ed O'Bannon case? Would I be deposed? Uh, he said, I'd have some validity coming from corporate America. And I was happy to do that. And so anytime he picks up the phone and, and still it's an ongoing rights with the NLI and everything else, uh, I'm a fervent and ardent believer in all of that. I think it's been uh, uh, discriminatory and it's been uh, uh, beyond belief that we went from when I started, this was a game of millions of dollars and the final four wasn't on live TV to a multi-billion dollar business. And the only people who are still adhering to the same scholarship in 1956, when they put that in to avoid different cap shops, the NLI letter are the players. So I, uh, I hope that answers your question. I think there's rules that you have to fight to change. There's a method to do it and a process to do that. Uh, and that's what we've tried to do. And, and that uh, if you don't like something, be involved, change it. And I hope if this was about basketball, I would have quit 20 years ago. But it's about, uh, it's about more than basketball. And I'm, you know, we've been blessed to have, you know, lottery picks and all that good stuff like all you guys have and had great teams and great players. But it's the kid who never got on a plane, the kid who didn't have three meals a day, the kid who's the first one to graduate from high school or college, the kid who is now a professional and, and is and is giving a life of service back 
that's changing a life for the better. So that's my view of what AAU basketball. You have the platform as the adult to help change someone's life for the better or to give them an example that they shouldn't follow. And I've seen more examples of the former than the latter. So I'm grateful for all your examples of doing that. And, you know, I knew Justin when he was starting this and, and Jeff and all you guys. And, and uh, it's changed. It's evolved. And uh, anything worth doing should be worth fighting for and continuing to advocate for. And for that, I'm blessed. So thanks, guys. Thanks, Mike. Keith, how Mike says it's changed. Obviously, again, you know, I covered it 20 years ago. Some of you covered it before that even. What, what is what's the biggest change that you've noticed over the last 15, 20 years? Um, and then we can go through other people jumping in on that. You know, what what's the biggest change and, and what needs to be changed? And I think the biggest change is probably the entitlement of families and kids. You know what I mean? It's yeah. it's now become something that's they feel that should be given as opposed to earned, be it the flights, be it the tennis shoes, um, be it the, the college, you know, attention, the, the offers or whatever. You know, so I think the entitlement is from the from the player standpoint, that's been the biggest things. And and always tell people like now it's it's different. When when I first started coaching high school basketball in ninety five or ninety six, it was it was a privilege to play and the parents were still at that place where in our community, they weren't as educated, right? Nowadays, the parents are, are very much more educated and with education becomes thinking they know more than what they actually know. Right. And which brings entitlement as well, you know, because you feel like, Hey, I've done this, I've done that. I know what I'm talking about. when you really don't know what you're talking about. So I think the change has been become, as, as we become as a society and, and in the space where people have become more educated, there's also been the, the growth of entitlement and, um, and, and, and just in control. You know, everybody wants to, everybody wants to navigate, right? Or, or you know, I, I, I talked to, I won't say a name because everybody only knows them, a person who was saying they wanted to, they were going to create the, the narrative for their child as he went through college and, in high school and eventually to the pros as opposed to allowing it to take its course. Right. And then when you start to try to control that narrative, sometimes you find yourself be put in a box or a toxic situation. And I just think the education is as happy as I am that we're more educated as a, as a, as a country, I think. And then in the sports part is, is kind of affected the us doing our job. Right. Um, be it on a collegiate level or in the grassroots or high school, whatever it may be, because everybody feels like they know when they really don't know. Jeff, I, can I add to that too? Yeah, of course. I, I think social media. I was going to say the fuel that fire social media has, has changed the game dramatically. Uh, when you think about it, um, and, and what, you know, going with what Keith's saying, you know, people, they try to educate themselves on what they see, you know, uh, and that's it. And, and not understand that. One situation is totally different from the other, but they try to connect them some way, somehow to make, you know, and, and to justify why they do or they don't do something. And, and I think that, that we weren't prepared. I don't think the world wasn't prepared for social media the way it hit. And I think that's what created a lot of the, 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 the problems, but also too, it heightened the game. It heightened AU basketball. It heightened high school basketball too. So, 
Um, uh, social media played a huge part, I think, you know, being a former player who played in AAU basketball to, you know, being a, a collegiate coach now, uh, I, I think the biggest change is social media. Yeah, let me add, let me add to that real quick. And and the thing that's crazy, Griff, is this is like social media gives anybody an opinion. It gives any it makes anybody an expert. And back in the day when you were good, you had to be written about by by Clark Francis, by Tom Kinchowski, by by Dave Tellup, by Frank Burleson. You had to be written about to be validated. Now your grandmother can get on social media and she can have a put a little service behind her name and, and, and have a phantom page and become a voice. That's a major problem. Uh, fellas, I want to say this real quick. I want to say this to everybody on the call, especially the AAU guys. I thought it was fantastic that Jeff came up with this idea. Uh, you know, respect is the ultimate currency, fellas. You know, not money, you know, not jewels, but respect. Uh, I have a tremendous amount of respect for the guys that's on this call and a tremendous amount of respect for AAU. Uh, I think AAU is the best thing ever invented. I'm, I'm one of the, uh, adopted sons of the great Wallace Prather out of Atlanta. Uh, Wallace Prather is where I learned about AAU and the inner working of it. Uh, the love that you guys give to these kids. Uh, the fact that you're taking a kid from the middle of the woods and getting him a scholarship to Gardner-Webb and that kid is becoming an AD because he got that scholarship, I think is unbelievable. Uh, I've been in the profession 26 years, and 95% of my experience with AAE coaches and programs and players have been all positive. 5% of it has been negative. And, and, I, and I hate that, the, the bad part of Basketball and AAU is sensationalized. So it's really not that much. You know, I graduated from Miami, Carroll City. I can't do calculus. I can do greater than less than. You know what I mean? 95% this way, 5% the, the alligator goes this way for the, for the good. Uh, so it's, it's good that we have these calls so the world can kind of see, uh, AAU has improved, uh, the, 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 uh, competition level. Iron sharpens iron. It's gave people exposure. It's given people jobs. It's gotten people degrees. It's gotten people scholarships that they've never been, would have never seen. And the love that you guys give these kids is unbelievable. Wallace Prater would call me 6 a.m. about a kid that needed a junior college. And he loved the kid that was going to junior college or D2 guy more than he loved Josh Smith and Randolph Morris. I just thought it was unbelievable. Uh, and you guys are the same way. I see the same thing in you guys. That's why your programs are so successful. So I just wanted to say that, you know, the, the misconception that AAU is a negative thing, that's the furthest thing from the truth. And it's a small, minute percentage of bad that goes in in AAU basketball. That's the same thing in every component of life, business, education, whatever. So respect to the guys that's on this call. I hope you can address whatever y'all need to be addressed. See why I think a part of it is like, man, I always tell people like I'm probably, you know, because where I'm because where I'm from, I'm probably one of the ones that's stereotyped, you know, just because didn't didn't graduate from college, you know, you came from the streets or whatever, you know, you grew up in, you know, the the drug the drug era and in certain neighborhoods and things like that, but not understanding just because you come from a certain space, you still can have values, right, and morals, and I think. 
they look at us and say, oh, because he's from there or because he doesn't, he don't carry this educational background, he can't have success without doing something the wrong way. Right. And I think that's, that's the misconception. You know what I mean? Because, you know, truth be told, like some of the guys that we all know that do this thing, do things the wrong way. It's not about what skin they are. It's just who they are. You know what I mean? And I think everybody on this call can point at a person that they know that has a different skin color than myself and say, you know what? He does things the wrong way. And I think that's the unfairness of when they look at these AU guys, because it's really not the majority of them. Like you said, that 5% that they might think that's doing it the wrong way. That 5% is, is, is the white people they think are doing the wrong way or Caucasians. Uh, the, the, the blacks and the African Americans are the guys that are young, especially when you're younger, you know, and you're coming up in the game. You know, and you, you pull up and you got a certain car and things like that. They think, oh, he must have got paid by this, this school or that school. No, man, like we work just like everybody else. You know, and my thing is for me, I always tell people like when I finish this, you know, I want my legacy to say I help not just kids, but people, right? Like I got a lot of guys that went to coach college basketball, you know, and my whole, that's my whole mission is like, who, how many people can I help before I go on the other side and do something different? And I think that's the unfairness. When you, when you hear people say the negative things they say, lastly, you know, I've, I've coached against Ito. I've coached against Mike. And to say that we don't coach, I think that's bullshit. You know what I mean? Because these kids can go, they're not just going to college to play basketball because they're talented. Like we all know a lot of talented kids that we didn't see go to college and didn't have success because they didn't understand basketball terminologies or they couldn't remember plays and stuff like that. They're going because the high school coaches, the travel team coaches have prepared them to be able to step on a campus and be able to jump right in and, to, and be able to, you know, retain the new information that's given to them because they were prepared to play the game the right way at a, at a high level. Those, those are my issues when, when you saw being stereotyped and the quote unquote perceptions that they have. Jeff, I'll chime in a little bit. Um, for me, you know, I'm blessed to be on the call with a lot of legends, you know, and, me being at Murray State, I'm obviously not on the same scale as some of the higher major schools and some of the AU coaches that are playing in better events. But one thing, especially towards the first question that I look at is we're, we're talking about the best in the big time players, but sometimes what gets lost in this, and this is where I give credit to a ton of AU coaches, well, there's somebody coming off the bench as well that's looking for a scholarship. And that person may not get the opportunity to showcase his or her talent if they don't go to that major event if they don't have the opportunity to showcase their skill level. And so what happens is if a negative perception is based on the 5% and we forget about the 95 that's doing well, well, some of these other kids are going to lose opportunities. You know, I was fortunate, and, and I heard Mike say this. I was fortunate. I, I, my dad was in the military. So when I came through and I left Louisiana to go to North Carolina, if it wasn't for Dave Tellup, I don't think I have opportunity to be in front of you guys speaking today. It was the scouting service. It was the opportunity to play AAU in multiple states and be on multiple platforms to have opportunity to showcase my skill and be fortunate enough to get a scholarship. Fast forward to today. Yeah. I mean, our, it's not a secret. Our best player who came through here the past few years, if it wasn't for AAU, we're, we're definitely not having this conversation because nobody really recruited them. And so I, I hate the narrative of AAU coaches, this, that, and the other, because so many of us have benefited of it, benefited from it. And I heard Ito say, speak about social media. That's the part that keeps getting and the story being this and the story being that. But what we forget about is the AU coach who's after that game, when the college coach leaves to go to the other gym, 
they're cleaning up the stuff to get them back on the, in the cars and on the plane to get them home or drive them back to the house. Or if you need anything, let me know. So I, I just feel like a lot of times, especially at our level, we benefit a ton from those guys that might not get the same notoriety as the bigger and top 100 players. And without AAU platform, we won't have that opportunity to see them. I, I'll touch on I'll say this, and I think it's open. Mike understands this, and you guys as college coaches know, a lot of kids, if you got a kid to go to go to public schools, we end up doing a job to get them qualified because half of the – and when you're talking about public school systems, they're just trying to get a kid graduated. Like, they're not trying to figure out, hey, what, did, what, what core classes he has to have and none of that. All their job is we need to get him graduated. So then we – now we are in there not only doing practice, but making sure they, you know, they're getting, their, getting all their core stuff together, making sure they got the proper – you know, they're getting tutored, making sure they're going through the clearinghouse. There's so much more stuff that – that everybody overlooks that we're doing is, you know, like you say, it's, un- it's unfair, but you don't, you don't look for the glory in it. You do it because you want to do it and you you have a passion to help kids, you know, get an opportunity, you know, take advantage of an opportunity. Hey, I want to jump in real quick too, and just add to this. I want to say, Hey Keith, you see the game in the background, right? A lot of players on the court, a lot of players <laughs> on the court. <laughs> okay. Hey, but I want to jump in and say this, and Dave can relate, Dave Velasquez can relate to this. There's a kid in um, the mid-2000s who I sent to San Diego State, a kid named Jerome Habel. And Jerome Habel was a problem child from your area, Keith, who you might know very well. Yes, he was. When, so when he, came to junior college, when he came to junior college in California, he came to junior college by me. So for whatever reason, I got hooked up with him, and I became his friend. So, like, Jerome Habel has, like, he's a junior college kid who's had problems his whole life. I think he played D.C. Blue Devils. He's from D.C. And he was just troubled with no money, uh, emotional, all kind of things, all kind of problems. I forgot how I got hooked up with him, but ended up being his mentor and got him down to Coach Fisher, who I believe was the only coach who could handle him at the time and all the issues that he had. But my point to you is Jerome Cable never played for the Compton Magic, never played one game for the Compton Magic. I mean, but I was on his visit with him at San Diego State. I was there when he bought his snake. <laughs> He's just a – I mean, I was there when he was beating people up. I was there the whole way through, you know. So Dave can relate to that too. But there's so many stories of kids who, um, you know, like just are displaced and don't have any financial value that we're dealing with. And I think everyone uses the reverse of it, you know. And, again, to me – the biggest thing that we're, you asked that question, Jeff, but anybody that's on that call on this call right now, we're not on it without AU basketball from even just growing up, playing it, being around it to all the players that have came through. If a didn't have a great relationship with coach fish, I'm not on this call right now. And, and that can go for everybody on the screen. So we appreciate them. That's the way we were raised. You know, when NBA scouts come to our to our practice, they got coach fish's rule. They had to sit 10 rows up. When Ato walked in, he got to sit 10 rows up sitting right there on, the, on the side of the bench. And to me, the biggest thing was he, Coach Fish and, and Coach Dutcher, you gotta, you guys gotta, you guys all know on the screen what their, their history was. I mean, they, they know where their bread is buttered and they treat people the right way. That's not saying that other people aren't important, but the way you treat these people that, that take care of these young men and take them from really kids to young men, we're just going to take over from where they left off, but they don't get there without these guys on the screen. And I don't, 
you know, to me, that question doesn't even cross our mind. And then I don't think it would cross any of the assistants' mind. Like, yeah, there's some bad apples. There's bad apples in every single job. Like Mike was talking about, every single profession has some bad apples. But that doesn't, that's so generalization of, hey, you coaches are bad. That's so wrong. And it's such, so false. And it's like you talk about like a Twitter fan. Twitter just has a voice. Who cares what that person says? It's trying to talk to your players. Who cares? Listen to the people that matter and the people that are on the screen. And most, I would say 99.9% of all assistants and head coaches understand how important, how valuable, and how hard of a job they have as AU coaches. Let me tell you guys a little bit of our partners over at Bet Rivers Sportsbook. If you haven't signed up with Bet Rivers yet, now is the time. Bet Rivers Sportsbook is offering a $250 match bonus for your first deposit. But what sets them apart? They require just one playthrough to turn your bonus into cash money. When you win at Bet Rivers Sportsbook, they pay fast. And now it's even faster with rush pay, instant approval for withdrawals. It's safe, it's secure, it's reliable. Go to BetRivers.com today or download the app. Must be 21 years or older. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Taking a break from Jeff and the Gang Tech Today's show is brought to you in part by LinkedIn. Growing your business takes more than offering a popular product or service. It's essential to have the right people in place to ensure your company operates smoothly and has potential to expand. Now, look, I help run a small business with my dad. Uh, we, we sell men's clothing, basically, uh, you know, suits, sport coats, all those types of things. And I got to tell you that having the right staff makes or breaks this company. Like my dad and I, of course, we know what we're doing, but having you know quality help uh, to develop relationships with our customer base is a huge part of why we've been around for 38 years. And LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the best candidates for free. They can filter people out that you don't need. They can attract you to the right person just with a click of your mouse. Get started by posting your job for free to reach LinkedIn's network of 740 million professionals. Fill out targeted screening questions, get your role in front of the most qualified candidates with the experience, skills, and motivation that you need. And then use the simple tools to filter and prioritize top candidates you'd like to interview. Not going to lie. Again, we're not back at full staff yet. We're still trying to get back to somewhat normal in the, the store that I run. And when we finally have the ability to take on more staff, I'm going to use LinkedIn Jobs. And LinkedIn Jobs will help you hire the right person for your role, just like it is with our role. And your first post is free. Just visit linkedin.com slash good. That's linkedin.com slash good to post your first job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right, let's. Let, let's change lanes a little bit. See why? Let, let's. We, we, we. I think we've already hopefully dispelled yeah. any of the BS. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna swear at you. Why? Any of the BS yeah, that goes on with AU coaches. So let, let's let's kind of push you forward a little bit. And what what can improve with summer basketball a little bit? And, and I want to get whoever's thoughts. Let's start Justin Young. Uh, I don't know if you're the elder statesman, but you are older than me. I think so. I'm going to give you the floor here because you came up covering it like I did at Rivals as their national guy. Now you're running events all across the country. You're traveling like crazy. You know, how did it change? Why did it change? What needs to be better? My whole thing is when I go out now, I'm not nearly as excited as I used to be. I'm not. And I don't know. It's funny. I did not have a good relationship, a close relationship with Sonny. Tom's going to yell at me here, but I didn't. But, man, do I miss the dude. Because he could promote the hell. Darius Washington against Sebastian Telfair, he made into like 
LeBron against Kawhi. I mean, you went there thinking this was the biggest matchup on the planet. And now, like, there's just no no juice, no pop. Yeah. Like, the biggest know. thing now is that every single weekend, because of this tool right here, we have a Darius Washington against Bassie Telfair matchup that's promoted as if it's the greatest matchup that we've ever seen in travel basketball. Supply and demand has really changed a lot, Jeff. We have more basketball being played than ever before. When I was at Rivals, you know, I would look, I would circle on my calendar three different weekends. It was Kingwood weekend. It was Bob Gibbons Tournament of Champions. And it was the week of madness in Las Vegas. And those were the three weeks that you knew where legendary status went from mythical to actual. And now we have mega events almost every single weekend. I'm part of that. I run large-scale events. I mean, we run large-scale convention center events now. And so it's all part of the supply and the demand. But I do think that this magnifies that narrative quite a bit. And it also changes reality of the process of, of who is good. It changes the process of how hard it really is to be a Division One basketball player, whether you're going to Kennesaw State or whether you're going to Kentucky. That process of being a Division One guy, and I don't think kids, particularly even parents, and I think Keith may have mentioned that, that's a very hard road to go. And because the, I think the thought now, because we're keeping up with the Joneses on our phones, if my son plays travel basketball, ergo, he's a Division One basketball player. That's simply not true. But I think that's the part because we have more opportunity and a much bigger platform and a much bigger megaphone that the idea of reality has been skewed so much. And now we're fighting against that, what other people believe is to be true. And so I think that's the hardest part of trying to is, is trying to go through that. We have more people doing it. I think the game is actually as healthy as it's ever been. Think about the American player that we have. And, and like, I watch the playoffs every single night, just like you guys do. The bubble last year was phenomenal. We, the, the game to me is as healthy as it's ever been at the highest level. And I think in large part because the best players we've ever had have been competing at the highest level since they were 14 years old. And so there is a good side to that that goes along the way. But for every elite 14 year old, there's literally a hundred thousand other ones that are going to be, you know, just in the, in the regular every day to day life, like every other Joe. But I think supply and demand has been a lot to do with it as well, uh, which has really changed things. And, and I'm probably sitting at the, at the, at the engine of that train. Justin, no. quick question is, is it bad that we're playing more basketball? Is that a bad thing? Yeah. I've asked myself that a lot too. I, I have, I've asked that myself, like just for the overall health, the overall, um, like think about what we all liked in college, right? Like our taste, what music we liked, what interests we liked. And now that 20 years from now, like we're parents and life gets in the way and our interests also change. I've often thought about that with kids and they, when they play, do the, does the passion change because they play in such a high level? When I was nine years old, like I was excited to go on a Cub Scout camp out, right? And now guys are traveling and they're getting on an airplane. Like the first time I ever got on an airplane, I think I was probably like in high school. You know what I mean? And I thought I lived a pretty normal life. And so, like, guys now are, are, like, does the passion decrease because the lifestyle you've been introduced to it so young? And every single weekend, like, you're a nine-year-old, you're an 11-year-old, and let's say you live in Dallas and you go to Atlanta to go play an event. Like, how many other 11-year-olds in your neighborhood are going to do that? So I do wonder, does the passion start to fade away before they even graduate high school? And I know, like, that's the number one question I hear from all you coaches when I talk to Does he love the game? How hard is he going to work? And I do wonder, are we playing so much that that gets decreased a little bit along the way? You know, I that's why like, for me, like people always ask like, oh, you know, he's like the top eighth grader in the country. Man, I really, I really don't care. Because uh, like, like you can go back and Google's amazing because you have all this data. Like go back and search, right? Like some of these offshoot, just absolute terrible websites. You think it's like fake names, like it's a video game. 
Like, I don't know any of these names and I work in this business. And like, that's the top 50 in the nation. Like the process is so sped up that I do wonder if the passion and does the desire to be elite, does the desire to be great get diminished because of the amount of basketball and then and the, and the type of basketball, meaning that we're traveling all over the place. Does that take a hit on the player? I think it's certainly affected it a lot, particularly over the last, I don't know, 10, 15 years. Well, I think Justin, you know, I, I agree with your comments, but I think in general, the dilution and the monetization of youth sports in general and uh, what we do in particular uh, has had an adverse effect in the quality and in some of those matchups you guys talked about in the sizzle and that, uh, you know, Keats had unbelievable teams as a Z-top and, 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 you know, that I circled the same ones when I started this, like, how do we get there? How do we get into Kingwood? How do we get into Gibbons? Not an invite, not asking for this, that, or the other thing, or not bragging about it. And the answer back then was the same. You got to win something. You got to win. <laughs> you got to win. And that was, you know, you had to have dogs. You had to play. You had to go. I mean, you know, you and I talked in, in Louisville this year when we came out and played in your event in, in the showcase that uh, every game, you know, meant something. And, and I think the the establishment of the leagues and, and, and uh, you know, Adidas and, 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 and the Gauntlet Series and Under Armour and, and uh, the EYBL, that's done a lot of great things for more competitive and, and, and formats and stuff. But it's also divided that I don't play Keith much very much anymore. No. I don't play ETOP very much. We're kind of booked up to whoever our brand is. And I've been with Reebok. I've been with Adidas. I've been with Under Armour for 11 years now. I was one of the founders of the program and getting the circuit going uh, as an idea to bring that competitiveness and stuff back. But, you know, yet there's very few opportunities for somebody who's a unifier like Sonny was, like Bob was, okay, like Passner got to Kingwood. That uh, like Gary Charles would do in Vegas. That no, you can't apply to be here. You got to be invited to be here. Yeah. And don't tell me what you did last year. And don't tell me who you got next year. And your eighth graders haven't hit puberty yet, so I don't want to hear about them. What do you got now? Yeah. And are you good enough to win here? And if you're good enough to win here, if you want a super pool at any of those damn things, you know it was like you know advancing to the NBA finals to get out of that stuff. You know, and, and we had the opportunity to, to win a few of those tournaments and during the day when they had them. And to me, that part of the competitiveness, but do I think kids are playing too much? No. Do I think the brand and the, the globalization of basketballs is still in, increasing? Yes, I do. But the, uh, the monetization, the proliferation of pay for play programs all over the place, the proliferation, I don't know about you guys. But everybody in the world's a trainer now, and they're going to be the personal life coach, basketball coach, and and your coach when they're sitting behind a bench at an AU game or a high school game. And I'm not quite sure what the qualifications for that job is, so if anybody could let me know, I'd appreciate it. But uh, uh, those are changes that I've seen. Some have been great for the growth of the game and, 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 and the monetization on the youth end, not just on the – the, the college end and the NBA end, 
but some of those things are missing. And, and I, I wish that, you know, Justin, you or Adam or all you guys, you guys put on events, you do a great job. You try to get great fields and stuff. For me, I'd like to see more of that happen where it's earned, not given for anybody, whether it's an independent, whether it's a shoe team or not great matchups. I mean, you put us up against that uh, empire team from Texas. Those boys could play. They beat us. Yeah. Yeah. Great. We were in that spot 20 something years ago. We had to beat those guys to go and they beat a lot of other teams since then. So I thank you for that. To me, I wouldn't be doing this if we didn't have circuit play. There's too many meaningless games, but if you could add that, to the circuit play we already have and go one more level about that, you know, you have something that's something like that, a battle of the champions or something. That's unbelievable. How is that, that, how that, is that I not think, happening? How, how is I, I so don't understand how that's that, not happening. Go ahead, Adam. Why is well, it not it's happening? A, yeah, it's, it, well, you, you're, you have on the call the only two guys who ever did it. So first of all, let's, let's give them both credit for, for playing that game. Um, because, and I, I can't answer this question, but I would suspect if I was running one of those sneaker brands and I've got two champions two and guys, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, it was like two, maybe I can't remember if it was under undisputed, but it was, it was darn well known that takeover was the best Nike team and that Compton was the best Adidas team. And so going into that, it was, I would be curious if the sneaker brands themselves were saying, Hey, Keith. Yeah. Not sure you, we want you to play this game. Or <laughs> hey, to <laughs> yeah, hey, Tope, maybe you should just take your trophy and call it a day. You know, like yeah. that's. So I don't think. I just think in the in the day and age we're in uh, now, maybe it takes another sunny type personality, of which I'm certainly not. It maybe you are, Justin, but like I don't yeah. think that oh, yes. happens without the sneaker companies co-signing it at this I point. Think, and I say this, Adam. I think everything from the youth levels to from grassroots of uh, meaning middle grammar school kids all the way up everything is just too controlled you know from the ncaa to you know everything is just too controlled because you know you let's say let's say like a young kids like when we all came up we played outside be it on the dirt concrete whatever it's controlled like nobody wants to play out there right nobody plays pickup basketball everybody either with their trainers or they're playing in a structured event it cyo Rec league, whatever, but it's somewhere referee, so it's, that's controlled. Then you get to high school, and then there's there's all these rules of how many days colleges can come see you. You know, my thing is, if the ultimate goal is to give kids an opportunity to to get to to get to college, like what are we capping days for, like that, right? Then you get to AAU, and then you got the shoe companies. You got the shoe companies, and it's like, okay, we're going to play on this circuit, and we're going to dominate all these weeks so that. You guys can't do anything else. I understand you give us money. That's cool, whatever, right? But NCAA can easily loosen up and say, all right, well, we're going to add another week or we're going to do this. Like everything is controlled where you can only do so much because, you know, I, I, I can't speak for nobody else. Like when I played that game, I, you know, I took some hits, you know what I mean? Like, you know, but I was okay with taking those hits because it was something my kids wanted and they never get the opportunity to play against those guys on the other side that's damn good as well. So my thing is like, you know, I think we have to loosen the rope, but I think there's also there's a median that has to be found, right? Because I I definitely don't think it's I don't think that the talent is watered down. I don't think we play too many games. I just think it's too controlled and there's too many rules that's that's hindering kids from opportunities, right? Be it competitive opportunities or opportunities to go to school. There's too many rules that's hindering 
because everybody wants control, starting with the NCAA. Because most guys, like my thing is, and I, I'm, 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 I'm guilty of this. Like, if, like my kids will tell you, if it's not a Nike event that's contractual that I have to do, or something that's NCAA certified, I'm not just going to play meaningless games. So when they, when the NCAA only gives you two weeks to play, and the shoe company's already got those locked up. What are we really going to play for? Because we don't have the finances and stuff that just going to play. But if you open it up a little bit, I think you, they will be surprised how much more can take place from a competitive standpoint. Hey, hey, Keith, are you sure you didn't graduate from Georgetown or Howard? <laughs> I'm very impressed. <laughs> Go ahead, man. <laughs> I, I, I want to I say this. I, I deal with, I, I really agree with Mike, and, and I'm going to play devil's advocate. I, and on this side, being a coach and 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 a guy that's got to recruit, I like them playing games. I want them to play as many games as they can. I don't care if they meaningless. Because I'm gonna be honest with y'all, like I try to get in a back gym or a side gym when everybody ain't find me a diamond in the rough. So the more everybody plays, the better for me. And I'm gonna be honest. I was chasing a kid named Nick Claxton that was playing on the Adidas team. Silver Division. While I was watching Nick Claxton on the Adidas team, Silver Division, John Morant was on the team with him. He was 6'1 with a Gumby. I kept saying, I'll leave Claxton alone and sign this little dude here. I called UAP and Murray State and told him, it's a pro on this little raggedy team. They had two pros on the Adidas team Silver division. It wasn't no concession stand. You couldn't get no popcorn. It, it, was, it was me and three fat white ladies at the game. <laughs> and I don't know who the fat white ladies were, but they were at the game. And it was two pros out there. So for me, playing devil's advocate, I like when they play a lot of games. And I think you keep kids off the street. You keep kids off these out these trainers' hands, Mike. Uh, and these kids develop and get better. I'm just playing devil's advocate now, y'all. Hey, 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 guys. The old, the old school players were, were way more durable. Like, I'm telling you right now, listen, I had Gabe York. Gabe York scored 50 in the fifth game of the day. Like, he never got injured. He never got hurt. I mean, he dropped 50 in game five. Like, back then, you had to win five games oh. to win a championship in tournaments back then. Yeah, <laughs> like, it was a battle of attrition. Every event was a battle of attrition. Who's yeah. going to wear down first? Some of you guys can remember when July, what, it was like 28 straight days, right? Yeah. And college coaches would go out, you'd pack your bag for 28 days and you wouldn't, you literally wouldn't be home. And then now I think you guys said it, the controlling. Now, why, why do they have to keep the NCA? For some reason, this NCA told everyone every high school program, every high school coach is great. Every AU program is bad. Limit AU program. And Tom, think about this, Tom. I can, I can guarantee you if we go back 10 years ago, the transfer portal looks nowhere like it's been looking the last few years. Exactly. You're hundred percent right. Because you got better evals. You got better evals because they play more and you can go see them more. Yes. And, and the old thing, Sonny would say, listen, if you don't want to be out 20 straight days, don't play. If, if a college coach, if you don't want to be away from your family 28 straight days, don't go out. There's no rule that says you have to go out. You know, there's no rule that says take over or Compton or, or, or the Wolves have to play all 28 straight days. Pick and choose your tournament, but why do they keep Scaling up back. Why they keep scaling? You know, they don't want, you know, for a while there, you couldn't go on April. Why, why is it? Who told them that was a good idea? Cause if you oh, pull, they, you know why? They don't want the power in these guys' hands. That's what well, they think. 
And what these guys are bad. Mean? Power. I don't know what that means. You're right. There, I don't know what that means. Define power. It's it, it doesn't make what, what is that? You want majority of the high school coaches, I think somebody touched on this. They're good people, but they don't want they don't want college coaches calling them. They don't want to deal with recruiting. They don't want to deal with the clearinghouse. They don't want to deal with you know setting up home visits. They don't want to set up official visits. They don't want to deal with any of that. A lot of they, you guys, not all, but they they kind of it's they realize it's part of the job description to help these guys out. Because the people that make those decisions live in the movie Pleasantville, and they think every high school game is the all-American vision. I could be knowing this. I've never seen – I can tell you right now, guys, the people that make the decisions, my door is always open. We run events probably 10 months out of the year, okay? We're at convention centers all over the country. The door is open. Come see it. Come see it. Come freaking see it. I'll buy you some ribs. Sit down with me. Watch it with me. They don't. Because it doesn't fit the narrative that they think that this all good goody two shoes stuff exists. So many better things happen at the travel basketball level. They don't even give a chance to go see it for themselves. They just don't. Justin, let me, let me jump in on that if I could, because I think there's a really important variable here that, that we're missing. One of the difference between these two new scholastic weekends, the last two weekends in June and those July weekends, which are historically grassroots weekends, is that the NCA caps the price of a coach's packet for scholastic events. There is a limit on what you can charge. If you're running a scholastic event, and I think it's 150 or $200. I don't know what it is. 200, 200. So it's significantly less than what the precedent was. And, and I also want to push back on something else, like whether it's, it's trainers or the NCAA, like I know some of the people that work in NCA enforcement, you know, it's hope you mentioned them too. Like some of those guys are good dudes. You know what I mean? Sure. Like they're, they're and they're fighting internal battles there for the right reasons too. So I think it's important we don't like polarize everybody with mm-hmm. the NCA as well. But but I think that that point about the economics of these quote unquote live events is really important because if we're if we think that that you know like the year before the recruiting calendar changed in Vegas there were events out there that were charging four hundred dollars per packet per coach per day. So literally you would go to an event in Vegas, three coaches would walk in from the same staff and it would be twelve hundred dollars, and you'd go the next day. And it would be $1,200. And again, this is not the norm, but that was the reality of what was happening at some point out there. So if, if we thought that that was going to go unchecked, you know, that was, that was naive. And, and so I think that this, this was, and again, right or wrong, I'm not, I'm not, you know, um, I'm not making an evaluation on that. I'm just saying like the timing of that was not coincidental, especially then when you see that the, the live period for AAU coaches got cut to about a third. And then the scholastic, the new scholastic period, because they didn't have an existing legal precedent, they could only charge $200. So it significantly changed the economics of it, not just in terms of what college coaches were spending, but also where that money was flowing to. And again, did they they cap the price of uh, season tickets? Did they price it? Exactly. Like Adam, I think it has to be capped, but then it also has to be realistic because here's the thing, like, you know, whoever's charging those numbers that you just said is, is fucking crazy. Like somebody should have smacked the hell out of them. But anyway, um, when you when you're doing an event, you still have to like. There's a lot of costs. Hey, Keith, this is a good family show. <laughs> hey, man, they know who I am, so we all right, we good. So hey, hey, what's your video, Keith, on the sidelines? <laughs> I'm doing better. So look, Adam, you really think about it. They have to, but here's, here's where their laziness come in. One, they could cap it, but two, they have to research, right? You need to know what the numbers really should look like. And then you, you, 
you kind of figure out what a, what a median is. Because here's like if you're running, let's say, let's use Vegas big time, right? They're probably using 13 to 14 facilities, and you're probably per facility, you're probably paying without a deal. You're probably paying anywhere from five to ten thousand a facility. You have to just run the numbers and come up with a number. Say, hey, and like the one thing I do, like my thing is run your numbers, figure out what the county or the city or whatever is charging per hour, and then figure out how you cap it, right? But to just say, I'm going to get rid of a week, that's that's an irrational decision. And not only that, that's more than you hurting the, 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 the event operator. You're hurting the kids from another eval period to be seen and get an opportunity. 100%. Like, and my thing is you keep worrying about the adults and like, I think, see why I said it better. The alligators only, the alligators in the favor of the good and you're hurting the kids while you're worrying about that 5% instead of trying to find a way to, you know, you can discipline that five percent, or you can you can hurt them in your own way, but don't hurt the kids in doing it. And they're constantly hurting the kids. Like, and I'm gonna jump to something else because I'm gonna probably have to jump off in a minute. It's like you open up this new transfer thing, right? Where everybody can just transfer. Like, what are we really doing? Like, kids just now, we already got a, we already in an era where kids are feeling entitled. They want, they don't, they don't want to go through adversity. So now, as soon as Soon as one of you guys as a coach say, Hey, I'm not going to let you wear number five. Instead, you're going to wear number three. Oh, I'm transferring. Cause you know why they're transferring? Cause they don't have to sit out. Right. And let's, and let's be honest. If you take the average black kid and you could tell him he could run from adversity, they're going to run. They're going to run. Like all they're doing is constantly doing things to make these kids be unsuccessful long term. I totally agree, man. Totally agree. Like this transfer rule, you have one bad day of practice and you do may leave your, leave your program the next day. So it's like, it's no accountability. There's no guy, there's no, there's no point of guys staying through adversity. So I think more games helps every single per, everybody in the equation. Like it gives the high school kids time to be seen. And then it lets us coaches know, like, what are we truly getting? You know, we're able to evaluate these kids and really know, understand who you getting as a person, who you getting as a player. Because with these limited weekends, you're only seeing them so much. So more games lets us know who we truly getting. And with, like you said, with this transfer portal, man, like college coaches going to just start going, recruiting off other, other college teams. They're going to start right. looking at high school guys. Think about this point. I had a guy that's a, a dear friend of me. And, you know, like he literally recruited a kid from another college during the season. And okay. I don't mean that guy not – our relationship isn't the same, yeah. right? Because my thing is that kid needed to be focused on basketball and grades. That's it. He shouldn't be worried about what school am I going to next year during the middle of a school year in the season. Totally agree. You know, it's just, it's not right. And, and I had from 2009 to 2019, I might have had three kids transfer during that, during that tenure. Man, I might have had like 12 kids transfer this <laughs> year. Like, cause kids now they're running. Yeah. That, that one year sit out, kids don't want to sit out. The average kid, Hey, so you can you can definitely speak on this. The average kid that we coach, that's from where we from, basketball is their motivation, right? If they're not playing, they're going to struggle in the classroom. Now I'm not playing. I'm okay because I can utilize this transfer route and run away from something because I. It's almost like you. They're just handicapping these kids, man. It's gonna it's gonna catch up with them long term. And the parents and the kids don't understand it. They're just going through the motions of what's being allowed to happen. 
And I Keith, think, I think first thing about oh, go ahead, Alan. I'm sorry, go ahead. Okay, you know, I I think that the most important thing when you talk about the NCAA and you talk about AU basketball and dealing with AU coaches is conversation. I think they don't want to sit in a room and honestly hear out what these guys in these programs they go through on a daily basis. Uh, and, and, and I think if you don't have the conversation, because it's a hard conversation, because sometimes they don't, they don't understand the socioeconomics of some of the, where these kids are coming from. And, and they, they understand it from outside looking, but they don't know it, know it. Um, and, and, and I think that that's what's the big problem is, is, that they don't want to have these conversations and these hard conversations. They just want to dictate, you know what I mean? And dictate what they want to dictate, what they think is fair. And everybody kind of, you know, go, go, go from there. And, you know, just to speak on the transfer portal um, and, and as an assistant coach and, you know, I had three guys that I recruited transfer. Right. Um, And the one thing that, you know, I always try to, you know, make myself, when I recruit somebody is transparency. I try to make sure that they know everything every day. You know what I mean? Um, and, and I think sometimes we, you know, there's a lot of miscommunication within obviously the, the coaches. Um, we can't, I'm not, I'm going to hold myself accountable to, you know, and obviously families and then sometimes our bosses, like, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, you know, cause they, they have, sometimes they don't have, they have a certain, way of training thought and, and we you know we around these kids every day and 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 and, and our trainer daughters are a little bit different so I, I think transparency is, is is the key to to everything uh and and, and also conversation and i agree with you guys the, the ncaa somehow now what they, they want to run the camps right they want to do it they want to be in charge i don't know one college coach that was looking forward to go into their camps last year Okay, and then they go, they, they want to be even more of a bully, right? And say college coaches can't have camps during their camps because the college coaches, and so they want to like dictate everything. We all know what's the NCA. They're always a step behind, right? They're a step behind in name, image, likeness. They're a step behind in this. They were a step behind. Shoot, just ten years ago, they didn't want kids to get um cost of attendance. Okay, so they're always trying to fight themselves so they don't know what they're doing in, in that regard. And why? For some reason, they have the stereotype that AU, the shoe companies, all that are bad, and and I'd say over ninety five percent is wrong. It, it's wrong, and but and all the high school coaches are good, right? They're all good. They're all they're all the most ethical, greatest people in the world because they got teaching degrees, right? And, and it's not true. And and you know they think the shoe companies are all bad, you know. And Sonny, way back in the day, used to say, "Listen, the shoe companies are bad. Quit taking our money." Quit taking our money, colleges. I'll get out. If you guys, you know, uh, quit taking the millions of dollars from Nike and Under Armour and Adidas, and then we'll all get out, right? But they won't do that. So that if you ask the kids, so many kids that I've coached and you guys have coached, they'll say, if it wasn't for AU basketball, it wasn't for summer basketball, I wouldn't be here. Rarely do they say they enjoy their high school experience. They appreciate their high school experience. But I don't know if I heard anyone say, if it wasn't for my high school team, I wouldn't be here. Okay? I, I don't hear them saying that. And then – the proof is in the pudding, right? Just like a college, you guys, after a kid leaves a program, after they graduate, go to the MBA, you say, hey, how was your experience? Did you enjoy it? And that's kind of the proof in the pudding. Well, I've known, recruited, or coached 
guys from all three of your programs and they all speak highly. They all say, if I could do it all over again, I'd play for them. Uh, those are, those are my mentors for life. I'll be with them for life. They keep in touch. They come to my games. You know, they help me with all this stuff. So it, to me, it's, it's just, it's the NCA refusing to believe what's out there and they can, they want to control the narrative and they won't, they won't open their eyes. They're, they're arrogant. I mean, like, I gotta, let me add it something real fast. I gotta, I gotta add someone, add some of the economics and, I don't know how many of you guys have applied to do an NCAA event this year. So um, now the NCAA is charging to do events. You guys know that, right? For the first time. How much are they charging? Charge, charging for scouting services, too. I'll interject. Go how ahead. much? So I think it's like $300 for your first event, $200 for every event after that. They're charging just for the application. Yep. So on, to- so on top of charge the recharge the coaches who didn't have a season last year. June 1st, it goes from $68 to $136 just for you to coach an AAU team. That's number one. Let's talk about NCAA economics. <laughs> like it, $68 on June 1st to $136. Now you're charging the event operators just to file an application. There's thousands, tens of thousands of events. Now you're having the kids go on. My point is this is becoming Crazy economics on there, and let's have that discussion. Like you want to talk about someone charging for a packet? How about what they're fucking charging? Excuse me. How about what they're charging? Yeah, it got real slippery. Scouting services. I didn't know they're charging for scouting services either. Yeah. Hey, so but here's here's what I don't here's what I don't understand about the NCAA. They want all this stuff to work. If you had to say the three most powerful high school coaches. In your area, and the three most powerful AU coaches. No, you don't got to say who they are. Let's say if they came, if they took that same energy and they came and sat down with all six of y'all and said, "Hey, what do you think about these things right here?" Right? You give them your input. Like, who input is it? Who input are they taking? Like when they they talk, they talked to me about their camps. They was like, "How do we get people to buy into the camps?" I'm like, "What does your team look like? What is what is what does your committee look like?" I said, "If you come to DC and you sit with myself." Mike Jones, Glenn Farello, Steve Turner, Damon Handen, and whoever, right? If we all sit down and you say, hey, we want to, we want y'all to support this camp. How can we make it happen? Right. And if we're on board, everybody else is going to follow, but your, your arrogance and your ego won't you allow, won't allow you to sit with the people you need to sit with to figure out how to make it happen because there might be something there that can be beneficial to the kids. And I think that you're talking to the right people. They're all about the kids and they'll try to make it work, but their arrogance won't allow them to do that. They're just trying it's to make waste of 12 million. Waste of 12 million. That, that, that's kind of why I say like, and that's to the point about everyone talking about playing more games. I think it's beneficial, especially for college coaches because we get to evaluate more, but more so than that, we get to talk to coaches more and we spend a lot more time finding out about the kid. Because what happens, and, I, and I've heard a lot of people talk about, but the part that me personally I, I think about in this situation is, all right, you, if you see a kid and you don't have a good chance to evaluate him, and then you sign him, and it doesn't work out, well, with the thing about the transfer rule, the other part that people don't understand is if a kid decides he's transferring in March, most coaches are going to shut down helping him out academically at that point. So now that kid is probably going to transfer, might fail a class or two, this, that, and the other. He'll be about 21, 24 hours. And I know Keith was talking about the immediate eligibility. So now I'm transferring to a new school with maybe 24 hours. All the hours may not transfer in because the school put them in some classes that don't count. And now that same player outside of this year where they got another year to come back, 
they're not going to be on time to graduate. And now three or four years from now, the whole situation is screwed up. And so I know everybody's talking about the NCAA and, and my two cents is this travel ball helps you evaluate to talk to more people around the circle to find out if that kid fits your program. And he, he may leave the program, but you know enough about it to find out if it fits. Because if it doesn't fit and he leave, especially with the new rules, yeah, right now it sounds good because the financial stuff and all works out. But that particular kid that doesn't go to the NBA, he may not get a degree either. And now you're really in a bind because now what are you going to do? Just move on to the next person. So that's the problem I have with everything and how it's going right now. And let me and let me say this. I hope somebody's watching this call from the NCAA and this transfer portal. The end of the movie ain't pretty. See, that's, that's what they don't understand. See, I coached Casey Long. And the end of his movie was a beautiful motion picture. But when you let a guy just transfer, it becomes a habit in his life. And he just starts running for the rest of his life. And then now he's calling me saying, Coach, can, can I borrow $500? Because I got to do this and that 15 years later. See, that's what they don't understand. And see, that's the, the beautiful thing about the AAU guys on the call. Every time I see you guys talk, the love y'all have for the kids shines through. And that's what that's what they're missing. See, pe- people who don't understand AAU, they don't understand how to love these kids. Human nature is a beast. People think uh, different. Everybody assumes different is bad. Different ain't bad. Different is simply different. And we got to stop having these people make decisions about our game that don't know anything about our game. You can't make decisions if you work at Stanley Steamer. (laughs) (laughs) That's like me writing up the law, law curriculum, writing up the curriculum for a law degree because I watch Law and Order. I can't. I'm a basketball coach. I don't understand why they can't understand that. You learn that on Sesame Street. Same, same, different. different. I, I got, I got two. I got two real quick things. One is we'll, we'll get to that. But when a red shirt and becomes so bad, the two guys that are on this this wall behind me, they both registered on the on the outside. Start ones with the Hornets, ones with the Raptors. They got better. They got better. They became better people first and foremost. They grew up. They matured. They got to see the game from a whole different place by sitting out and watching and getting in the gym every day. Then they made, Then they came and played, and they got to the NBA. When did redshirting become such a bad thing? That, that, that to me, is something we lo- got lost in translation here a long time ago. The second thing is, Jeff, seriously, because obviously it doesn't sound like anybody knows, who is making these decisions? Because they're not talking to us. I, we didn't get it. The assistants at least didn't get a, a vote on changing July's calendar. Now, whatever it is, we – but we just we get a we get a Jeff Goodman tweet that tells us they changed July's calendar. We don't get asked these questions. So to my question is, who is who are they talking to? Who is helping these them? Committees, right? I, I mean, someone the all boys these committees. Stanley Steamer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey! Before we run, I know everybody's got to run. Can I give? I, I'd love to do this real quick, like thirty seconds a person of if you are. You got all the power at the NCAA. What is the thing you're changing in regards to AAU summer basketball? Like, go around the room, literally keep it tight, Keith. Don't ramble. I know you got to you got to run anyway. So we'll, we'll start with you. And uh, what's the one thing you would change if you're, you know, Mark Amherst gives you the control and you're running this thing? 
I'm giving more days. I mean, I just think that, that there's, you get better evals by having more days and, and more opportunities for the kids. Perfect. All right, Dave, I know you got to run soon too. Go ahead. Yeah, my biggest thing is I, we don't need to go back to 28 days, but at least 15 days in July. I mean, at least now the reason I say at least 15, we still have a team back at home. We got to take care of the same guys that, that, that came into our program. They trusted us. We can't forget about them in the summer, especially the fact we can be with them. So. That Wednesday to Sunday, where at least you can come back and do Monday, Tuesday, maybe Wednesday morning, and then get back on the road. When they had that, I thought they figured it out. Again, two more weekends in April, plus the 15 days in July, plus if you do your work, okay, now we do have enough time to evaluate. And I'm telling you guys, one thing this summer we'll find out, there'll be a lot of back gym specials. Yep. We haven't been on the road. We've been dead since March. And there's going to be a lot of guys out there. And with 10 days in July and two of the high school there be a lot of kids that get missed on that are really good players, but appreciate being on here with you guys. Petway, you're next. I agree with those two guys. More days, especially with a, this year coming off COVID. Uh, I think we need more days to evaluate these kids. And that, that way, you know, these guys get more opportunity because they're going to be the ones hurt most by this transfer rule. Like, like I can't emphasize enough college coaches going to start just, why should I go get this kid that I'm not sure can do it on this level when I've seen a kid over here this on this college team that's transferring now with no penalty that's been doing it for two years. So I think we got to get these kids that's in high school, more opportunities to be seen in front of coaches. So more days. Uh, Casey. Uh, agree with the days and probably more crossover events where you can see the best teams play against the best each other. Um, and, and everybody kind of go at it and have more days to do so. So we can get a better evaluation and a better opportunity to see every kid. Mike. Yeah, thanks, Jeff. I think you can hear me now. Yep, we got you. Okay. Uh, I think the number one thing is that uh, AAU, in spite of all of its effort, if I was ahead of it, it's going to be around. It's a valuable asset, and that should be embraced, and it should be embraced, as everybody on here has commented, at a discussion level with the people from both sides of the table and ongoing, and that the uh, – you know, the over-regulation, the tightening on their grip, and now they're dipping into finances will not work. It's not sustainable. They have to embrace what has been a really, really good system for all the coaches on this and, and, and for all the families who have played it. Uh, it's not an exception to high school. It should work in tandem with high school. And if you realize that, accept our input. There's a lot of really good people doing this. Uh, Tom? Yeah, I, I just echo what everyone said. Um, more access, more days. Other thing, what, what's wrong with going to an AU practice? We're not allowed to go to practice. What, what, is, what is, why is that a bad thing? Um, seeing, you know, six, seven, eight, nine high level guys going at it again with good coaching, but it's okay to go to, and so more access, more days, just like Coach Mullins, you just said, embrace it, partner with it. It's not going anywhere. So why don't you, like you partner with the AU programs, the shoe companies and the high school coaches and just understand, get rid of the narrative that AU coaches are bad. High school coaches are good. No, 95% of all, 98% of all high school coaches are good. 98.5% of all AU coaches are good. And just like college coaches, 95% of all college coaches are good. There's, there's bad and everything, but to get rid of the narrative that one's good, one's bad, Embrace it, partner with it, try to unify with it, just like you do with the high school programs. So, Tom, let me say this before you. I think that's part of the like the practice is part of the eval, right? You yeah, want to see what the practice habits are. Like that's important. 
Yeah. Right, Who said right. it's bad to go to AU? Well, yeah, but there's a stereotype. But that's the whole stereotype. The stereotype. AU guys can't run practice, so they think, or something illegal is going to happen when you're at an AU practice that can, but it won't happen because you're in a, you're in, you're in a, a place of higher learning or whatever because you're at a high school. That's bullshit. And you and I both know if, if you want something illegal to happen, you can get around. It has nothing to do with practice, whether you go to practice or not. So it's, it's not limiting anything. But as a college coach, or so many times I talk to any of you guys and say, Hey, we're having practice, you know, and, or maybe you're practicing against another AU team or something like that. You know how valuable that'd be as a college coach, but we're not allowed to go to that. Why is that a bad thing? But, but the girls can. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. They can. Girls yep. have a whole different set of rules. That yeah, girls can go see practice? Yes. That's ridiculous. Yeah, I didn't, that I didn't, is stupid. Mike, I think you put it best. Embrace it. Unify with it. Partner with it. Just like you do with AU programs. And, and make it better. Help together make it better and improve it. Everything can be improved, right? We all can improve. But but if you keep fighting it and and, and get this narrative out there, it, it doesn't help anyone. A few more. Eight top. I agree with everybody. More access, more days. I don't want to run on the whole same thing. That's what they need to do. And, you know, the NSA, it's just, you know, until they get the right input from the right people, it's going to be a shit show. Uh, Alan? I, I, I agree with everybody, to be honest. Um, but also, too, I, I think I would form a committee. And obviously, the committee would, you know, start, you know, starting in with the guys that's in it all day, every day. Uh, I think that's my, that would come from me. And now, you know, obviously I'll have people within, you know, the NCAA meet with, you know, it's just to make sure you check and balance, you know, all that stuff. But uh, that's the most important thing because now you got the people, the most important people that's a part of the game, you know, running it, you, you got access to them and, and, you know, and you guys unify, like Mike said, and, and I think that'll be unbelievable. Justin. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't mean to keep banging on the same drum. I want to take a step further, and it's a total Pollyanna idea. Make every single day of the calendar year live and let the schools dictate by their budget who can go out and when you can go out. Why is anything regulated as is? What makes those 10 days in July so specific, right? Totally get that you have to manage your time with your team. But if every single day was open, like in the business, I'm in the business of running events. We're going to run events as much as we possibly can, even though I don't, may not want to. Those events, even though we had a pandemic, we still ran events. Their events happened all over the country. Their practices happened all over the country. Their camps, some of the best events that we've ever had, I couldn't let one college coach into. And I learned more about those players in those instances. So, again, it will never happen. Every single day in the calendar should be open, and the school's budget on what they can and can't afford will dictate what can and can't be done. Adam? Well, uh, you know, I think with my 30 seconds rather than – kind of elaborate on this. I just want to use the time to touch on something that, that Tom and, and Keith said, which is, is this is to Justin's point. I've been on the road doing evaluating more so regionally than nationally since late July. And during that time, I've seen more practices than in any other year. Cause in the Northeast where I'm based, that's, that's was the majority of what the options were. And the whole narrative, I almost tweeted this last week and probably will the whole narrative about the level of coaching in one field versus the other. And we touched upon this earlier is just so far from reality. I mean, the, uh, the, the quality of the coaching that, that you see at some of these AAU practices and, and AAU probably isn't even the accurate term a lot of these times, but grassroots or travel practices or whatever the case may be, but 
it's it's just such a a misrepresentation of what's going on. And again, it's just like this this polarization where you want to say all the, all high school practices are. Uh, let me tell you this: a lot of there's a lot of well intentioned high school coaches that are English teachers looking for that six thousand dollar stipend, and they may be really good guys, but that doesn't mean they run a good practice. And um, versus some of the AAU practices that I've seen in the last year in particular, because I've seen, as I said, more practices than I've seen uh, in the 15 years I've been doing this. And that has been extremely valuable for me. And, and I just wanted to take this time to kind of use that example to, to reinforce what, what Tom and Keith were saying. See what? I've spoken enough. I just want to say thanks for all the guys coming on, man. You guys were great. Uh, you really were. Yeah, I think the final thing for me would just be, honestly, let you guys help kids. You know, let you help them legally. Like, like who gives a shit? If you're going to pay for a, 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 you know, a gas bill, sorry, see why I almost made it. I almost made it. Um, but you want to pay, like, a, if a family needs money for turn their gas on or, or their heat or whatever, like, you should be able to help them. Like, I, the dumbest thing ever that you can't help them legally for families, for kids that need it, whether it's on, off the court. Um, but again, they got to get out of their own way. They can't do that. Uh, I do love the idea of, of having a committee, Alan, on, on having these guys involved and they should have a voice and they should listen to them and they should respect their voice because some of the best people I've ever run into doing this job over the last 20 years are running programs, are coaching teams in the summer. Um, so again, I appreciate all you guys coming on to kind of talk about it. We, we could easily have, and, and maybe we will have part two of this coming out of July. And, uh, I appreciate it again and make sure everybody who's watching listens every single week. CY and I, if you got recommendations for other topics you want to hear on Canon Coaches Conversations, just tweet us. So thanks, everybody. Appreciate it. And uh, we'll see you soon.